This is The Real Magic Podcast. Learn about great design and use it to get great results. Now your hosts, Greg Merrilies and Alan Nunez. Hello, listener, and thank you for joining Greg and I today for The Real Magic Design Podcast, where we unpack our experience to help designers and business owners understand how to create amazing designs and work together to make design that is profitable. I am Alan from Pixel Partners HQ, and here is my co-host, Greg from Studio One Design. How are you, mate? I'm very good, mate. How are you, Alan? What's happening, buddy? Oh, look, I'm settling into uh, back into my normal routine. A big shout out to Rick, my creative director and, and partner in Pixel Partners. He... Just had a baby boy yesterday. Ah, awesome. at, time, at the time of recording, it was yesterday, right? But this will probably go out in a week or so. So, yeah, I'm, I'm like the proud uncle. They, they breed a lot over there, man. <laughs> uh, well, Rick's actually from L.A. Well, he, he's actually from, um, yeah, he's from L.A. So, so, there you go. Okay. You know, he's actually South American, but. Yeah, anyway, long story Long story short. Well, I reckon we've constantly got somebody pregnant on our team or their wife. <laughs> it's just never ending. Good Catholics. Exactly, exactly. Uh, uh, in the Philippines. <laughs> yeah. Well, actually, I mean, it's funny because the Philippines is a very, very Catholic nation. Yeah, okay, yeah. Actually, my Sydney designer is pregnant at the moment and actually one of my developer's wife's wife. <laughs> so there you go. How exciting. Yeah, it's cool. Cool as. All right, well, that's cool. And me, I've been up to, right, yeah, well, it's February, so I started writing my book. I've got the intro, introduction chapter all written, so that's good. Just got the, you know, the book, what would I call her? She's not really an editor, but she helps me with the structure of the book. Yeah, she's just going over that now, and, and now I'm ready to start the chapters. So it's very exciting. Going as planned. Mate, that is awesome. Keep us posted on that. I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah, yeah, it's a bit of fun actually. I'm enjoying it more than than I thought it would be because I'm not a writer at all, you know. So it's been challenging, but having this structure is just gold. Couldn't do it without it. Look, you know, it's knowing what we don't know. Yeah, you know, or, or, or knowing that we don't know what we don't know. You know, is <laughs> is the key, and and reaching out for professional help. I mean, it's it, it amazes me how many business owners have great ideas but don't reach out to an expert to help them implement. And, and I mean, that can cost, right? I'm sure this, this person's not doing this for free for you. No, it's costing money for sure, yeah. Yeah, yeah. that's right. But yeah. you will get the book done and you're not a writer. So, exactly. you know, you've got the frameworks, you've got the, the how-to, and you just – somebody's holding your hand through the process. Absolutely. I'm actually having a ghostwriter write it as well, and then I'm tweaking it. So, yeah, it's, it's pretty easy. Nice. But it's enjoyable. And, and ghostwriting is an interesting one because I think there are so many books that are ghostwritten that people just don't realise, you know. Probably, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Cool. One of my writers does a bit of that work. You know, one of my copywriters that I use regularly, and it's hard because when he goes on a ghostwriting gig, he's he's very unavailable because he has to put uh, his whole focus into into that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But it's it's a good idea because then you know because it's your ideas and and you know your your talent. You're the talent, I guess. But um, if you know if the stumbling block is the writing, you can hire someone else these days. So all of a sudden, it's not an issue. So I just think, yeah, a lot of people. You know, don't write books because they don't want to actually do the writing. And that's me. <laughs> but now there's a solution. 
Yeah, I'm with you on that. I think I'd struggle to, to, to get pen to paper. So Yeah, cool, mate. All right, let's launch into this awesome topic that you've come up this week, Al. Yeah, look, this is an interesting one, and, and it's it's really broad, right? Now, I, I'm not sure where this is going to go with you and I chatting about this because we, we don't have any formal notes on this, but the topic is clarity in communication when mm. good enough is not good enough, you know, and, and what the ramifications are, I guess, when you're not clear in your communication. And I guess both both you and I can give, you know, real-world examples of online and offline situations where in the design process something critical has been missed and there's been an impact. Oh, big time, yeah. And, look, I realise after you've mentioned this topic, I'm starting to think of it and I've just taken a couple of notes, but I spend the majority of my time, you know, trying to communicate with clarity. So, because obviously, you know, my role at the moment is to deal with the initial client brief, and then I have to communicate that to the designer and be able to step out of it from that point. So, I need to make sure the communication is super clear. Yeah, I think, you know, one of the keys to clarity and communication is it's it's an enabler. It, it enables one situation to transition to the next situation, right? Mm. So there's so many different places where we communicate that we don't necessarily think about. So your example is really good. It's it's the communication once the sale's been made from the customer to you and then from you to your team, right? Yeah. yeah. And then there's also, you know, communication pre-purchase. So there's, you know, yes. your website, your sales pages, your brochures, yeah. your your consumer packaging of products, all these things um, that happen. Then there's communication during the use of the product uh, or, or service, you know. So if you're a service provider, you know, what's the next step and how do you, you know, go through each of those steps? If you're more of a product-based business, there's, you know, instruction manuals. And, and these days, you know, people aren't reading instruction manuals. They're jumping online and they want to go to a how-to tutorial on their phone or their iPad or they want to go to YouTube and see how to, to use the product. Um, so there's that sort of during, and then there's post-sale communication. Uh, I mean, I was chatting to a client this morning who was saying, well, we're not getting enough reviews on Google Plus and Facebook. And my question to them was, well, at the point where you close the sale and your customer's happy, are you asking them? Because quite often they're on the phone to the customer at that point. Are, they, are you saying, would you be happy to leave us a review? I'll send you an email with the links. And he said, oh, no, we're just sending out an automated email. So, well, mm. maybe your communication isn't clear, you know. It's it's easy to, to miss things. Yeah, that's awesome, man. All right, well, where do you want to start? Have you got some tips or you want to uh, talk about, uh, you know, why you'd want to be a, a better communicator in general? Yeah, look, I mean, I'm going to talk about, and I'm going to do this out of respect for my client, I'm going to do this fairly vaguely, mm-hmm. but essentially this client has a great product, you know, it's, it's gone to market, it's done really, really well, but, and, and we help them with their packaging design, product photography, and a bunch of other things for the front end. But what's happened is that as great as this product is, they've missed one critical piece, which is really high quality instructions and how-to information for this product. So they're now copying a, you know, let's say seven figures potentially in returns, which is really People returning their product. Yeah, which is really scary. And there's nothing wrong with the product. So the product's not faulty. They've either got misaligned expectations from the the front end sales. They expect it to do something that it can't or they're unable to make it. This is a piece of technology. So they're unable to make it work the way they 
they expect it to work, right? Mm-hmm. So this is this is an example where you know good enough is not good enough, right? So they they did a lot of things right. They they went to the effort of of making great packaging and great indoor in-store displays and all this sort of stuff, and the product is selling, but now they're scrambling to get the other part fixed, you know. So it's, it's they can't replace the instructions that are in the book in the current boxes. So they're trying to make online illustrated step-by-step tutorials and and how-to videos and put up a a website specifically for this product, right? Mm, Sounds like a Band-Aid. Well, well, it's the fix for the next lot of product that goes out but yeah. it is a it is a band-aid and they've conceded well we're gonna we're gonna cop this one on the chin right now yeah they're, they're a substantial size business and you know maybe f- i think f- for any business a million dollars is a million dollars right so if you're talking about seven figures or multiples of seven figures in returns that's a pretty big you know blow to take right that's significant yeah absolutely all right so what do you think they could have done to prevent that from happening well, I, I think that, you know, thinking about what happens after the sale, you know, and how they should be communicating. So the inverse of this, right, is another client that I have who had a realisation a couple of years ago that if they spent more time and energy on their instruction books and same thing, created a, w- a website with how-to videos and ex- instruction tutorials and things like that, that they would not only reduce returns, but they would increase the customer experience, right? Yeah, yeah. So they've actually had the inverse happen. Their sales have gone through the roof because people are telling other people this was this was a great product. They had so much information yeah. that it was really easy to use and, and it was enjoyable and we, we would use the product again. So We've got a client just like that as well and they've, they've had issues previously, but he's got a pretty good solution and that is... On the thank you page, and you might want to check out this amazing product. Happy to promote it because it's freaking cool. It's called the Power Planter, right? It's like a, uh, a drill extension that you put onto your drill and you drill into the soil and bang, you've got a big hole ready to put a plant in instead of digging out a hole, right? So it's really cool. But the problem is people don't really understand how to use it and the different clay and soil types and you have to have different speeds and settings on the drill and all that sort of stuff. So on the thank you page, it just puts a really clear how-to video. And since it did that, it just reduced all the support and, you know, all the returns essentially. Look, absolutely. I mean, that that's a great example for an online sale and that's where, you know, a lot of businesses are today, you know, is... is use that thank you page. I mean, a lot of people use thank you pages for upsells and cross-sells, right? But maybe it's about securing your customer's user experience from the moment they click purchase. Absolutely, yeah. And it's going to reduce your support issues. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And look, if you're a service business, if you are a, a, a physical products business that maybe sells into retail, it is about thinking about you know, your instruction manuals for the for the product. If you're a service business, it's thinking about physical communication and electronic communication and how you're wording things. So, you mm. know, a friend of mine was telling me about a pool company that they, they dealt with when they put in their pool and they said it was the most amazing communication experience. So whenever they told the job foreman that they wanted a variation, big or small, and whether it added to the cost or reduced the cost, he said within 24 hours there was an envelope in their mailbox, so a physical communication that explained the change and whether they had to pay extra or they had a credit on their their account. And if there was a credit, there was a check in there. 
Wow. Okay. Yeah. That's that's really good communication. Let's take it to the whole next level. Expensive. Well, I mean, obviously, I mean, we're talking about swimming pools here, so they're not cheap. Yeah. So you don't want to get it wrong. Products, and I mean, in Sydney, the, the at the moment, the, the cost of a swimming pool is astronomical. But the point is, is that that they've gone to that extra level of, of real clarity in the communication on the back end. So this is after the sale has been made, right? Mm, yeah. So so look, and a few of those examples were back end ones. I mean, I think the problem is just as prominent in the front end of sales. You know, in promotional advertising that doesn't necessarily clearly state who the product is good for and who it's not good for. Yeah, and we touched on this last week, just, you know, looking at billboards and TV ads. If you don't get it, like, you shouldn't have to think too hard about things. So they clearly haven't communicated if they have to make you think. Yeah. <laughs> but, well, that's right. And I don't, look, I don't know if it's about making making people think. I mean, there are some, you know, industries that are real, very, very niche industries where maybe you don't need as much explanation potentially. And, and I guess that's what you and I were talking about before we hit record was that, uh, clarity and communication, you know, do you, I mean, there's there's a sort of a train of thought that says explain in your designs as if you're explaining it to, to a 10-year-old. Oh, most definitely, yeah. Don't use tech jargon, that's for sure. Well, you know, there might be situations where tech jargon is completely appropriate, right? But, you know, I, I guess are you disrespecting your customer by explaining it in great detail? That's for everybody in their individual industry to to work out, right? Or do you use tech jargon to have clarity in your communication because that's the way your audience talks? Does that make sense? Oh, yeah, that, that's the whole thing. Yeah, it's got to talk in the language of your prospects. That's that's the whole point there. So usually tech jargon is what you in your niche understand, but prospects purchasing from your niche might not. So, yeah, it's all about the, the language that communicates the offer. Yeah, and, and I mean, I think we can take a leaf out of, you know, entertainers and communicators, right? So mm -hmm. people that are in the public eye. And I mean, the one skill that every successful entertainer and communicator has is that they are able to connect with their audience at their audience's level in such a way that they understand it perfectly. Oh, most definitely. I was speaking to a client yesterday and he's he's a speaker, like he speaks on stage, that's how he makes a living. And he will constantly tweak his content based on the feedback that he gets from the audience. Like he says he like he's he's probably around sixty five or something and he has a lot of really uh, you know, dad joke type jokes. And um, he says, you know, a lot of the time you'll bring them out and, and he's got about half a dozen that he'll throw into his speech. But if the, if the audience is boring, he won't put any in if he gets no response from the first one, you know. Well, and that's it. So that, that's a, like a, a, an on-the-fly tweak that he's making based on who he's talking to at the time. And, and yeah. I think yeah. human beings naturally do this in conversation. You know, they adjust their you, – you, you would talk to a 10-year-old differently to you talk to a 25-year-old differently to you speak to an 85-year-old. Sure. We naturally have that ability one-on-one -on -one to have clarity in communication, but – what happens when, you know, you're doing a sales page? Like, it's amazing, isn't it? Everybody, yeah, yeah they, they, all of a sudden they go into, I've got to be salesy and, and it's just not like that. It shouldn't be like that. So, so what do you find when you're taking briefs from clients, do you often see a disconnect in that clarity of communication when they're giving you the brief and make suggestions back to say, hey, this might work better? 
Yeah, most definitely, especially with sales pages, you know, because a really good sales page is usually written really well, okay, by a professional copywriter. They're the ones that get the best results. And then it's our job to, you know, obviously enhance the copy and keep the flow of the page, that sort of thing. But yeah, a lot of clients, they, you know, they might have an awesome product or service and they'll do the copywriting themselves and they forget that you know it's it's all about the the customers and and the benefit to the customer and they just put in all the features and that is really poor communicating because you're not communicating the uh you know the solution to their problems or their challenges and to me that's like a, a a huge miscommunication and do you sometimes push back when you when you've got a client that's giving you that kind oh, yeah. of misaligned communication or do you just try yep. and support their copy with you know maybe benefit driven imagery uh, no, look, we'll, we'll say that, like, personally, I'll say that the, the copy's not good enough, you know, like, it, it needs to be written professionally, so we'll introduce them to a copywriter. But, yeah, if it's it just about, or sometimes I can help them with the structure if it, it's really bad, but I would, and it depends on their budget as well, because copywriting is not, not cheap, but, yeah, we just want to try and get them a better result. So, yeah, it depends on their budget and, and what they've got to start with. Yeah, it's interesting because, I mean, I've seen this a bit in Amazon design. So Amazon image stacks and Amazon enhanced brand content pages where uh, we've had a number of clients that are really, really feature focused. And, and yeah. I, don't, I don't know if that's a derivative of Amazon. You know, Amazon is, is a lot about comparing features, if, if that makes sense sense yeah um, i mean there are some very successful products that are all benefit driven but you know it seems like some businesses are just excessively feature focused you know how much power does it have what's the yeah. length what's the width what's but the you people know are just going to shop around for the cheapest price when you've when you just put in the the features on there you know what i mean you need to give them more of a reason you need to let them know that your product or service solves their problem that's way more important yeah, and and what I was going to say is with these particular clients, I had to push back, and then yeah. I got pushback from the pushback. Yeah, where you know the the, the companies basically said, well, that's all we're allowed to use. Uh, there were some legal issues in and around compliance and a few other things. Mm-hmm. So your copy must the copy must be this copy. So one of the things that we were able to do was to leverage the visual parts of the design. To allude to the benefits, so Got it. Nice. you know, selecting images and diagrams and charts, yeah, to highlight the benefit to the user where the text couldn't, you know, do that. There, yeah, that's smart. Yeah, and look, and that's what you're alluding to before. Yes, we do that as well. There's no doubt about it. But it, it still comes back to we need the good copy to be able to to do that, or at least understand, you know, what the benefits are, so we can visually uh, illustrate that. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And and look, here's one of my biggest bugbears in the work that we do, which is instructions, instruction manuals, right? You don't understand how many factories out of China that produce great quality products insist on a little one-page instruction leaflet that is just badly worded. There's little or no diagrams or photos and often they are not quite right. You know, there's, there's the information isn't completely correct in them. And it's all about producing that instruction cheap because it's secondary to the product. I think more often than not, when we redesign instructions, we get positive feedback from our clients. So we actually have customers commenting in reviews that it was easy to use and that, you know, they can see the change in the comments. So what's your process for that? How do you get a better result? within your team? 
Well, one, one of the things we do is we, we try and highlight the details visually. So whether that is step-by-step photography, actually often it's step-by-step photography then turned into A illustrations. Yeah. Well, well, diagrams and illustrations because sometimes it's a little harder. Like you can't, it's harder to do a cutaway of a photo than it is yeah. to do a cutaway of an illustration. Just illustration. There's more clarity in an illustration. Yeah, absolutely. So what we try and do is really break down the important steps and then use the illustrations to enable the customer to take that step easily. So how do you know what those important steps are? Like, is it something that you discuss with the client or you discuss with your team or your team just works out themselves? It depends on the particular product and the customer. Okay, so some customers have very good written instructions but they don't have the visual connection to those mm-hmm. instructions, okay. right? Other customers will have badly written Chinglish instructions mm-hmm. and they will need to be worked through. Now, you know, the, our clients, when we come back to them saying, look, this re- we really need to fix this, uh, they have the option of sending the product to us with whatever instructions they have and then we will go through the process, Right, so that we, we we then document that. Got it. Yeah, understood. You touched on a good point about lang- like Chinglish. It's obviously English, you know, written by Chinese. And, yeah, I, you know, obviously our team, both you and I, we have a team in the Philippines. So, you know, there's a totally different language and a different uh, cultural barrier, I guess. And, you know, for instance, I'm just thinking about like if, if I say, if a client says, well, I want a really cool image, you know, in the background of a person, you know, showing a bit of freedom or something like that. And so Filipinos might think, put a photo of somebody with hands in the air on top of a cliff. Now to, uh, to me, and this is a feedback that I gave to them was that might be cool in the Philippines, but it's not cool in Western culture. It's kind of cheesy. You know what I mean? So I just wanted to touch on getting clarity across different cultures and languages. It can be, can be a tricky thing. Oh, look, absolutely. And, and, you know, clarity, and this is, this is right in that clarity and communication, you know, don't assume that just because somebody speaks English, that, your meaning is the same. Mm. So, I mean, we get this, I mean, we have English-speaking German customers, people from the UK, customers from the UK, customers from the US, customers from Canada, customers from Australia, customers from New Zealand, and then you've got places like Singapore, Hong Kong, and China that all speak English as well. You know, maybe not first language, but they all speak English. And with our instructions, we have to be very, very careful to clarify. And we will often go through and have different people look at it and highlight things to say, well, have we have we got the right word for this? Because that one word will change the way we illustrate the step-by-step instructions. Mm, I, love the, I love the fact that you put multiple people on it. We do the same thing as well. So, you know, the way, the way I take a brief is I'll record a call with the client and then I'll share that with my team. Now, we have a design manager and a designer both take notes so that we can compare notes to see if it was communicated uh, in sync, essentially, so that they get the same type of message and then they'll communicate with each other before they start designing. Yeah, nice. Nice. Yeah. So I guess at the end of the day, you know, I'm all for minimum viable products, testing new ideas. Uh, It's better to have something out than not. But I think we've got to be careful when good enough is not good enough, you know, like sometimes just a little bit of extra time and a little bit of extra work can save a lot of pain 
in multiple parts of any process if you have clarity and communication. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, just back to the, the landing page thing, to get a bit more clarity, you're obviously, you know, like your client that you mentioned in the first case study, they got a lot of returns and they would have got questions, etc., because there wasn't clarity, right? And so if people let you know what those questions are, you put them into your FAQs on your sales page and that can prevent even more of those type of uh, issues. It's funny how people leave FAQs until after the sale has been made. Yeah, yeah. And, and I think, you know, frequently asked questions, put them, put them front and centre. Definitely. You know, like so I've helpful. Just, yeah, we've just added FAQs onto a client's fortnightly email broadcast, yeah. right? So it's just an extra section in the email broadcast design that we're doing because uh, why wait? Why wait for the person to have the problem and have and ask the question? Why not give them the answer up front instead of them having to wait to have the problem and then go looking for the for the solution. Absolutely. And there's a tool you can use, Hotjar, again, you know, I don't promote that product. I don't get any kickbacks, but I love the product. You can put a poll, a user poll on your your sales page. You can ask whatever questions you want, you know, and you could ask, you know, what do you or don't you understand about this page? Do you have any things that aren't clear? You know what I mean? You can get some really good insights from that as well. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And and I guess like your example of the public speaker, it is about taking feedback and then actioning that to try and, you know, uh, crystallise your communication so that the next person that goes through that gets a better experience. Exactly. Because really it's a two-way communication. You're not just communicating to, you know, to a person. You're, it's like a two-way communication. And I mean, what I mean by that is like, um, if you are having a conversation with somebody and, you know, your your message isn't coming across across clearly, the other person may or may not say, you know, what do you mean by that? But I would encourage everybody, if you really don't understand something, to, to just say you don't understand it and, and ask that question. But, yeah, you really want to make sure that your message is heard. And that's the whole point, that, you know, to communicate effectively and clearly, it must be heard the way you intend it. I've got two little points and then we can we can wrap up if you don't have anything else, Greg. You know, my first one is um, just on what you just said there. Uh, you and I both have teams in the Philippines and it's interesting because in the Philippines, they are very timid. They, they don't they want to save face. They don't want to be embarrassed. Mm -hmm. And quite often when they don't understand something, they won't come out and say it. And, you know, it's probably accentuated in the Philippines culturally, but I would say in most countries, a lot of people are fearful to say, hey, I don't understand. Right, you know? right. Because, because it's embarrassing that they didn't understand what you were talking about. So, mm, so maybe opening the door to clear communications is, is, is really, really helpful in, your, in, in anything that you're doing. In your business especially, yeah. That's a really good tip, yeah. Let yeah. People know and, they can ask any question. No such thing as a stupid question. No, that's right. And, and then I guess the last thing is, yeah, everybody is worried about their online presence today, but think about your medium when you're talking about clarity and communication. You know, um, if you're a traditional bricks and mortar product business, think about leveraging, you know, YouTube or Facebook for, Facebook for, for, um, for, your, for your additional communication, right? Um, I mean, you and I use Loom to communicate information, mm, right? Yeah. And I use it for my team and for my customers. Video Same. with audio, screen share is a really great way to communicate. You know, if you're a service business, I mean, you and I have a previous 
uh, guest who was a lawyer and she has a podcast. So that is another channel for her to use for clarity of communication. And you can leverage those things because a lot of them can be evergreen. Once you've you've made them, you can then refer somebody to it when they might need that information. So, uh, and, and if you are a traditionally e-com or online service business, think about how you might be able to use some offline communication, like sending a thank you card or a letter or something like that to enhance your clarity of communication through the process. So, mm. you know, just, just think about the channels that you use for your communication to help get clarity across to all your customers. Most definitely. And just keep practicing your communication as well. You can always improve it, I, I believe. So yeah, it's like a, uh, it's like a website. It's never finished. It can always be improved. Absolutely. Mate, that's been awesome. That was not bad for off the cuff, was it? <laughs> not bad, buddy. Hopefully the listener <laughs> thinks the same thing. <laughs> well, listener, let us know if you enjoyed that. We'd love a five-star review on iTunes or uh, you can post comments underneath this episode on therealmagic.com. It's been a pleasure having you here and we look forward to having you on the next episode. You bet. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to The Real Magic Podcast. Hear more at therealmagic.com.